0: Hi, and welcome to the Let's Talk Melbourne podcast. A place for critical conversation, curiosity, and the big picture from the city of Melbourne. I'm your host, Vikas Raheja, and let's get started. What it means to be a female leader in corporate Australia. The gender bias, pay parity, the pitfalls, the challenges, and the pleasure of it all. Today, we are lucky enough to have an industry veteran with us. And she is an ex- she can provide her expertise in this domain and unpack this a little bit and more. And I would request our guest to introduce herself today, if that's okay.
1: That is absolutely fine. My name is Alicia Kokachinsky, and I'm the general manager of marketing and communications at Equity Trustees. Um, I guess if I was to tell you a bit about myself, I'm. Uh, a journalist by trade. Oh, really? uh, Yes. And uh, a prolific rescuer of dogs. Um, so I have three rescues at home at the moment. Um, and the mother of two adult daughters.
0: That's fantastic. I didn't know that you were a journalist in a past life.
1: I was a journalist in a past life. That was right after I gave up dreams of being a dancer, um, because I was not good enough. And um, that was probably after uh oh yeah dancer and also um i was very much more interested in sort of creative pursuits so i landed on writing as um That's the one great. that could actually earn me money <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fair enough. well welcome to let's talk melbourne and as i said we're lucky to have you because we've got a lot of questions to ask you thank you i think we want to start off with um one of the things which i also spoke to on the guest visit is it really we know it's hard for women in corporate australia to make a mark for themselves mm-hmm. but can you help us understand how hard that is in from your personal experience or observations and what I want to really unpack is that do women or or even men have to grapple with gender bias is this something that is conditioned so strongly uh, in corporate Australia that that's something that we have to grapple with on a daily basis
1: mm, it's a good question because I think like with many environments, there is, you know, corporate environments are particular, have particular hallmarks and suit some people more than others. So, um, you know, there can be, I think, challenges for anybody if you don't sort of fit that sort of corporate aspirational idea of who you are Um, and if that's that sort of... um, that sort of way of being in the world doesn't come naturally to you. Um, obviously, you know, as with many of the structures that we have in our community there, they were um, established by, by men um, f- and suited men in the way they were structured. So there are a lot of aspects of it that are, you know, less um, comfortable as a woman coming into that often what feels like a male space and has all the hallmarks of being set up to um, take care of, um, you know, the, the the comfort, if you like. So, you know, a really great example that often comes up is about the air conditioning levels in buildings that yep. are set to sort of male temperatures and wearing a suit and jackets and things like that. And women tend to have, you know, um, need, need sort of warmer environments to, to maintain sort of body temperature. So there's all, all those sorts of, you know, things that make it you know, sort of clearly not necessarily a space built for us.
0: And do you find that frustrating? Or, uh, uh, so if I had to spin that a bit, but do you find that somehow, and the reason I ask this is because I've had very um, lucky enough to have some amazing um, bosses over the years who are female, and I always see them working twice as hard as their male counterparts, and I always feel that they are overcompensating, mm. and not because it's someone's asking them to necessarily, but they do feel like, you know, it's something that just that they just have to do. Or am mm. I wrong in in Mm-mm. my observation there? Uh,
1: I think I think it's definitely true. My observation and my experience is definitely um, that. As a as a general rule, women women tend to work sort of twice as hard to achieve the same kind of cut through, if you like. Yeah. Um, and it's really hard to articulate what that looks like in practice, because you know often it'll be well, you know we're all in a room, everyone gets a say. Um, you know nothing like that happens here in terms yeah. of that sort of difference. But it's just always in the subtle pieces of whose voice carries carries, and whose words get repeated um, by the most dominant person in the room, for example, Um, and how an idea can be, uh, and, you know, this is any, anybody who cares to observe it will see it happen. A, A woman will articulate an idea in a meeting, for example, it sort of goes nowhere, then it gets picked up. Um, by a male voice in the room, and then suddenly it becomes a thing. An and, important thing, yeah. <laughs> so, or something
0: that requires attention. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that happen. It's just I find it frustrating. So I can I can only appreciate <laughs> how frustrating it would be.
1: I think also there's, um, I think women are kind of socialised to, like you know we're brought up brought up in a you know a whole social structure. So you can't kind of shrug that off, and and neither can n- neither gender can, if you like. So we're kind of socialized to accept that, you know, we have to work harder to, um, you know, to be noticed and that there are certain things that we won't be noticed for um, more easily than others. And, you know, so there's a lot of, um, I guess, um, struggling with that in your own mind as well as, uh, what might be, what, what might seem apparent.
0: Fair enough. One thing which I wanted to ask you and was interested to get your thoughts particularly on this, because you're Mm -hmm. obviously general manager, Mm -hmm. well-regarded and well-respected. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And how do you respond to the word boss lady? Mm -hmm. Now, the reason I ask is because I feel the word boss lady has been co-opted by... uh, interested parties to sort of make it sound like oh you know there's there's like a negative connotation towards okay. it or so there's this whole thing about you know i i mean business kind of thing mm. but then uh there's this view um which is a very popular but a very uh, now become a, a minority view is that embrace being a boss lady because mm. don't care about mm. anything else mm. uh so mm. what are your thoughts on this term and and its usage in in either corporate Australia in, or in culture, more broadly speaking,
1: so that was a really interesting question, and I had a, a lot of a lot of thinking about that. I guess to me, my reflex is it just makes me feel like we've got a long way to go because if if it has to be called out that the boss is a lady, yeah, exactly. Um, why is that important? important? Like, why is that a part of this conversation? conversation why yeah. is it so unusual yeah. that we have to articulate it that way? Yeah. I see the, I see the point of like claiming the term. And I think that, you know, that's a natural part of language and, um, I guess re, um, reowning something or taking control back of yeah. something. And yeah. I, I I think there's you know a lot of merit in that but whenever I hear about things like you know mummy bloggers or um boss lady <laughs> yeah. or lady doctor or, I know, you know it's you sort like... Of like what we, we're clearly what we're saying to the world is wow a woman is doing this job it's so unusual for a woman
0: to do this job I mean it should be the norm when yes it's, yes
1: so if we were you know if it was just boss or manager or whatever then you'd sort of go okay well now, now we're at a point yeah. where gender doesn't matter in this.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Um, but you know, like you can't take some of the fun out of it. Sometimes, like you know, sort of co-opting terms, you know, can be sort of ironic. I don't think we're at the ironic stage yet,
0: though. Okay, that's that's good to know because I this the reason I asked this question was um, a friend of mine was telling me that you know uh, she was called. A boss lady and she just completely embraced it and, mm. and, and she doesn't really care about what that means mm-hmm. and she embraced it in a manner of saying yes I am so what what are you gonna do about it mm-hmm. like, but obviously she is I, I think it's also a personality thing and as you said it, it, it comes down to your personal belief and how you approach the world around you mm-hmm. through that belief so mm. so thank you for for that thought <laughs> now marketing is obviously your passion mm-hmm. what is it about marketing that you love doing so much. Mm.
1: I guess the, the part of marketing that I enjoy most is the communication side of it. And for me, and the, what, the reason I've always been drawn to this kind of role and um, what kind of drew me to journalism as well, was uh, the sense that I could translate quite well. So yeah. I'd, I see a lot of the role and what it does is taking an idea – and making it appeal or be relevant to a, a group or a, a group of people or yep. a community that it's supposed to be targeting. Yep. And a lot of it is about translation. People will have an idea or they want um, to convey something or sell something or um, pass on information about something. Yep. And often those people are experts in what they do. So they come with a sort of a technical understanding and a passion for what they do. But the people that they're trying to get it through to are not necessarily, you know, well, definitely not in that level of sort of commitment to whatever that topic is. And so it's about this sort of this process of translation and how can we make this work? How can we make the group that we're trying to reach see this, have an open mind to this and be willing to think about this? Um, And that's what I find fascinating about it and makes me constantly curious about it and interested in, oh, how are we going to solve this? We've got this highfalutin idea or an abstract idea or an idea that is not going to be important to many people. Can we make it? Can we make it relevant? How will we do that? Where will we do that? Who will we do that with?
0: That's exciting. Yeah. And Do you ever get... um nervous when you like in that space where you have to really um distill information to communicate and especially complex or hard information to communicate to all kinds of audiences Mm.
1: I would say that the thing that makes me most nervous is so I often feel and experience has taught me that I'm often right which is you know what happens with experience (laughs) yes that I know when I've got the pitch right for the audience. Like when I know how to reach them and when I know what's going to work Yeah. and you might be 80% sure, but that's enough. That's, so that's going to get okay. you across and then you tweak it yeah. as you go. Yeah. What makes me nervous is if I've had to really bring the stakeholder along for the journey because they're not comfortable with how it's being pitched yeah. or they've got a very particular idea on what they think will work or what they think is, is going to be most important. And so... I get nervous if they've if I've brought them along and maybe they've not been, you know, completely sold, but they've kind of gone, oh, okay. Or, uh, we'll like, just give in. Yeah, that makes me nervous that they might go, yeah, we still hate it. We hate what you've done. And then then it's kind of like a, you know, no no amount of evidence or data is going to counter that sort of idea that really what they were trying to put on the line was something more than the idea or something of themselves. And you've sort of not quite being able to reconcile the two things.
0: It's interesting you say that because I I worked in marketing, but not obviously in content creation. I was more in strategic side. Mm. And j- just would like to unpack this a bit. So people who, especially like in, in marketing or marketeers, there is a bit of science as well. There's mm-hmm. a bit of data that mm-hmm. they look at and, and they try and, you know draft the communication there's a lot of marketing comms testing that goes on and all those sorts of things and then you've got a stakeholders coming in and having a very emotional response mm-hmm. and not a logical one mm-hmm. and their belief is that because if i'm reacting to this emotionally that's that's how everybody else will mm-hmm. react which is completely unsubstantiated mm-hmm. correct me if i'm wrong no it's absolutely tell true. Us, tell us more <laughs>
1: <laughs> so look the best way to illustrate that is um if if the content creation involves uh, something visual. Yep. People will load onto any visual everything about themselves that goes on yep. in their remote, which is yep. fine. We all do that. Yep. Absolutely true and right. But what is often really evident is that people aren't very self-aware of the fact of them doing that. And so they miss the bit where they kind of go, okay, well, I'm seeing all of this in it, Yep. but I understand that's potentially just me yeah, and that may be in your testing or whatever you've done so a a, a really classic example would be you know i i'm just looking at these papers and whatever. you'll have something and they'll go i really hate yellow
0: yeah yeah
1: I, I just and then they can't get past anything else to do with the thing because yeah because they they're stuck on it yeah and it's like I, oh, yellow just reminds me of this brand or that or whatever and you're sort of like okay um you know, what are we going to do about this now? Because yeah. the yellow is not going to be a problem for our audience. Exactly. And I, I yeah. understand where you're making that connection, but it's not a common one. And I'm not quite sure how to say this in the most diplomatic way. And you sort of, you know, you, you try and use the data and the evidence to go, okay, well, here yeah. or there or, yeah. you know, sometimes you just got to go, just trust me on this. It's yeah. going to be okay. But, yeah, it's it's a difficult, it's a difficult sort of Rubik's Cube to sort of just solve, sort of solve it.
0: Yeah. And, which is a good segue into my next question. And which is, um, and if I may say this, like I have seen you with stakeholders and you are very calm and collected and you, you've measured in your response. Cause in my head, I mean, I'm just picturing this. I'm just supposed to be completely wrong. <laughs> in your head you probably be straight, what a bunch of crap I have to listen to. But on the exterior, you're very, and, I, and as I said, correct me if I'm wrong, you're very calm, collected, elegant and eloquent and you were like patiently being like yes but A plus B equals to C you know? is that a right assumption and if it is uh, how do you get the gumption to do it uh, <laughs> well I
1: was- firstly I have to say I really appreciate you saying that about how I like, come across sometimes in my head that is not at all what's happening I'm like screaming on the inside I think um, I guess where I come from most of the time is I'm just thinking I have to and I have to tell myself this sometimes. So sometimes in those moments where I'm seeming really calm and something is sort of not going well in a conversation, um, I have to tell myself you have to, you have to listen and you have to listen for the bits that are going to be helpful here. And you have to try and see where the other person or people or where the room is coming from to work out what the real problem or issue or where the real sticking point is. Because if you can't do that, then you start talking about the colour yellow and that's actually not the problem. Yeah. The problem is often to do with some other association and concern that's going on that's a much broader one about, oh my God, what if, what if we get confused with this and that or so-and-so thinks we're really this brand and then I'll have to answer to these stakeholders and it's somebody else up the line that they're worried about or something else they're worried about. Yeah. but really trying to unpack it, or at least and or at least have some instinct for what is really going on in this conversation. Yeah. But sometimes you've just got to write it out. Like yeah, honestly, yeah. sometimes people just want to talk, and they want to offer opinions, and they feel that they need to, and that's great. Um. And sometimes, yeah, they've just got to talk it through, and they they're like they're not. It's not necessarily considered opinion. It's one that's come to their mind. They say it. They keep talking about it.
0: And they just love the. Uh they love their own voice.
1: <laughs> I'm like... I think, honestly, like when it comes to marketing, communications, any kind of content, if it's visual, whether it's written or whatever, it, it's pro- it's the same with like music. It's probably the same with food. Everyone's had food, listened to music, written a sentence, um, you know, seen a picture, watched a movie, therefore feel that they've got some expertise in that In thing. that space, yeah. So... You know, to me, I, I I can always pick an expert in the room because the more you know, the less confident you are about being able to...
0: Articulate. Yeah. That, yeah.
1: So often the people that know the most in the room are the quietest about whatever their subject matter expertise and they're listening yeah, to others. Others,
0: yeah. Yeah. I know. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, someone sees 10 movies and they suddenly become a movie critic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't think it works that way, but, you know. It's <laughs> on you. Um, yeah. And now I just want to sort of get your thoughts. What advice uh, would you give to someone who's A, pursuing a career in marketing Mm -hmm. and B, navigating uh, the trenches of corporate Australia? Mm. Any pearls of wisdom?
1: So marketing, marketing is a very broad profession. So it's, it's... Follow your nose on that one. If you if you think you're interested in marketing, you may be more... I've got a team. I've got um, people that are more in the design side. I've got people more in the um, drafting and writing side. Yep. I've got people in website, digital, yep. events, sponsorships. So it really depends where your strengths are. And do you like to be around people more or do you like to be more sort of creating the content? Yep. You know? um, or do you like more the strategy and how we're going to run things out through different channels and, you know, those sorts of things. So... For anyone who's interested in marketing, I would say think about where your strengths are, but good chance you'll be able to try out a lot of those things if you're going in as a sort of a junior in any team anyway. Um, And there's plenty of sort of volunteering type roles you can take up with not-for-profit type organisations that love to have people assist them with um, promotional kind of activities so you can sort of, you know, get your sea legs doing some of that stuff. In terms of how to make it, I guess, in uh, corporate, I think there are probably two ways. One's quicker than the other. Um, the quickest way is really to uh, play by the rules. Yep. Work out, you know, what you like. Yep. And yep. basically be, well, play by the rules and be fairly Machiavellian about it. It can yes. be quite a political environment. Yep. Yep. Um, there are decision makers, there are opinion leaders, there are all those sorts of things, and you can, you can, you can play the game and yep. you can probably rise through the ranks yep. quite quickly yep. and people do. Yep. The other way is to, I guess it's harder, but maintain sort of a little bit more of a truth to yourself. You'll always, depending on the kind of person you are, I tend to be quite a creative person um, with a lot of broad interests. So they're not always at home in a corporate environment. So I leave them at the door when I walk in, but I still try and be my authentic self, you know, on the floor and I guess that's the other way be true to yourself maintain a good sense of self yep. try not to worry about too much about the people that might have taken the other path and do a really good job yep. and and find your allies within the organisation and work with them because there's some great people there that are just, just support like you, you yeah. yeah,
0: and enable you
1: that's yes, right yeah. that's right
0: that is excellent advice. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> now, we're almost in the last final minutes of the podcast, and we ask all our guests two questions. What's the one thing that you love about living in Melbourne?
1: Mm-hmm. I love that I feel at home here because I, I'm first generation Australian. And so I find the fact that I can walk around and feel at home and part of a sort of a broad, not just multicultural community, but diverse on all sorts of levels yeah. um, and quite embracing of all sorts of um, difference, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I guess that would be the main thing that I love about Melbourne. I, I feel safe and at home.
0: Awesome. And what's your anthem song? Uh, Do you have one?
1: Uh, well, it really depends on my mood. <laughs> um, so... There's one that sometimes goes through my head when um, I'm having those conversations that are quite frustrating, but I seem calm, which is yeah. great, which is um, Decepticon yeah. by Letigra, okay. uh, which is quite a frantic, sort of slightly punky song. But yeah. anyway, um, that's not usually my anthem. I would say Xanadu.
0: Okay. That's a very good song.
1: Yeah. Madonna is my spirit animal, but Xanadu
0: would be my anthem. That is a great combination. <laughs> <laughs> a good one. There you go. Well, uh, I really appreciate the time. Uh, you've taken to come on this podcast and talk about it Alicia thank you very very much and uh, I'm sure anyone who's listening to it will get a lot of value out of it so thank you my pleasure thank you thank you we would like to thank our sponsors construct mart and floors trading and clearance center uh, and also let you know that this podcast has been recorded from image online studio in Abbotsford so thank you for tuning in Thank you for listening and please remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and also follow us on Instagram at Let's Talk Melbourne.